And that's what I want to preach to you on, minister to you. Hope. We live in a world that um, seems to be void of that at times. People struggling. Pastor Rhonda introduced me and told that I was the director, pastor of Women of Hope Ministries. I was afraid I might. I don't think it's going to fix, brother, but I know it's there. I'm planning on jumping around and hooping and hollering. So, well, hey, that'll work. Look at you. Thank you. So it's, um, that's basically all that I do now. When we started, Connie and I pastored a church and um, managed the Hope House. So I would preach on Sunday, teach on Wednesday night. I was at the Hope House three or four days, and I could shift and change hats pretty easily from the Hope House, from teaching, from ministering to them. When I say on their level, I don't mean uh, intellectually. I mean the words that they minister to what they need. And then when I come into a church, I can just change hats and minister the the word of God in a way that, well, that's difficult now because I don't do that that often. So it's difficult to change and switch and shift. But I realize that all of you aren't alcoholics. All of you aren't addicts, drug addicts. But you know, all of you, all of us have struggles. All of us need to hear that in spite of all that is going on, there is hope. There is hope. But starting out, let me start out for just a moment, and I promise you I will shift and change. Connie quoted a statistic, and I'm big on statistics. I can't help it. I know that you can manipulate them and all of those things, but I think that if you can say to somebody, 7 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, it catches it, at least catches their attention. So in the last 12 to 15 years, heroin addiction has increased over 125%. Now, why do I say that? And why would I tell you that deaths from heroin has increased to between over five to 600%? The reason why is because one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that people use whatever it is that they use is because it's a lack of hope. There's something about hope that gives people energy and it gives them strength and it gives them drive to want to reach a little further, to want to hold on a little longer. There's something about hope. But hope is more than just a word. Hope is more than just something mystical and magical that floats around somewhere and that 
we just talk about hope is more than just a wish. Oh, I hope it happens. I hope to get it. I'm not talking about that kind of hope. The kind of hope that I'm talking about you'll find in 1 Timothy. If you care to turn there, but I'm only going to be there for a moment. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to read you two or three things. And I've only got a short period of time. 1 Timothy, the first chapter, the very first verse says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. So that's what I want to minister to you this morning. There is an identity. There is someone who literally embodies and is hope. Hope is more than just a word. It's more than just a, just a spirit that roams about. He embodies hope. When we sang this morning and we sang about crucifixion and hanging on the cross and blood spilled and, and beat open and cut open and thorns and all of those things, literally heaven, all of heaven didn't see that horrible image. They saw hope hanging on a cross. It was Jesus, hope. Woe unto the men and women who have no hope, the Bible says. Don't be like those who have no hope. I'm pleading with you. I'm preaching to you. I'm saying to you, you're not going to get a positive payoff walking in a hopeless situation. Stop focusing on the loss, what you've lost. I tell this to the ladies at the Hope House all the time. Your attention shouldn't be on what you've lost. It should be on a man hanging on a cross that won the victory, that everything is yours. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome this. Hope. Hope in a hopeless situation. Jesus Christ, our hope. I want you to turn, if you want to turn, I'm going to turn to Habakkuk. Loss after loss after loss. I got to get my glasses. Sorry, I'm getting older. If you want to take time sometime, you ought to read this chapter. I mean, this uh, book, the whole book, it doesn't take long. I'm going to focus in a moment on the third chapter, but I want to let you see a man who seemingly is agitated, hopeless about the situation. In the first chapter, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Does that sound like somebody that's relatively hopeless? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. 
Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever sat in a courtroom? I have. And I've seen the law perverted, changed. I've seen injustice take place. I've seen little children go to people that I know. I have firsthand knowledge that this isn't the right thing to happen. This is very unhealthy. And unless God intervenes, it's going to wind up tragic for those children who have seemingly no voice. I've seen this happen simply because we manipulate and we, we, we change and switch what is real and present it as something different. Well, here is a man who seemingly is hopeless, and he is saying, how long, how long, how long? Anybody ever said to God, how long? Anybody ever been stuck in a place that you're just hopeless and you think, this is never going to change? Well, look what happens. And I would have to read you the rest of chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 to get you to understand how he got from that state of mind to where I'm about to read to you where he's at. I just want you to know it happened. I believe the word of God, Pastor Rhonda, is true. And I believe that when I read from verse 2 through whatever it was, and I jump over to chapter 3, and I'm going to read to you 17 and 18 about loss. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fail, and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. How in the world can that transformation happen? To a man is saying, he's saying, how long, how long, how long? Violence is everywhere. It's perverted. It's changed. Injustice is everywhere. I deserve this, yet I get this. A man who is hopeless and in spite of that, he's saying there's, the field's dried, the cattle are gone, my sheep are gone, the food's gone, and yet I will praise God. You can be that person. I can be that person. Folks, I know what it feels like to have a sense of hopelessness. I've been going through some battles at the Hope House for the last it seems like forever, but, <laughs> thank you, Connie. I didn't need that confirmation, but thank you. And battling and battling. You know, it's amazing, Pastor Rhonda, that people allow us to open up a home, a house, to women who are struggling they're beaten down. They come in virtually with nothing. They're crying out. Some of the first words that they would say, I'll do anything. Anything. And then when you start ministering to them and they start getting healthier, something really strange happens or at least in my way of thinking really strange happens 
when they start getting a balanced life, so to speak, well, no, let me say an imbalanced life. They, they accumulate a few things. They've got this. They've got the other. They've got a fresh second wind, and they're thinking, I'm all this, and I've changed, and they've had a spiritual experience, one or two, and they start dyeing their hair, and they start putting makeup on, eyelashes 12 inches long. I'm wondering, how in the world is anybody ever going to kiss you? They're going to break their neck trying to get up under those things just to get some sugar. But they change from the outside, and the whole time this is happening, I'm preaching what's on the inside, what's on the inside. It will sustain you. That, that's where real hope comes from. It comes from on the inside. It's not about what's on the outside. Somebody say amen. It's on the inside. Just say it's on the inside. It is on the inside. It's what you can grab hold of. It's what will sustain you through the storm, through the hurricanes, through the tornadoes of life. What's on the inside? In Habakkuk, no, in Haggai, pronounce it any way that you want to. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. Let me just talk to you about it for just a moment. It, it. It talks about Israel was in exile, and they're coming back. And they're just like the Hope House. They've built luscious homes. They've gotten things. They're filling their oats. You know, the, the food bins are full. They're driving cars. They're getting suspended license back. The judge is showing them favor. Probation and parole is showing them favor. And I'm trying not to preach that, but I just have to. I can't help it. Just pray for me. Your kids may be starting to come back. You get a raise at your job. Things are starting to happen. And you're just feeling good about your life. Anybody ever been there? Say amen. amen. But the problem is, through all of this process, somebody's forgotten. Somebody's left out. And the prophet spoke to the children of Israel. After they had been brought back, suffering unspeakable problems, physical problems, whatever they went through... Excuse me. And God looks down and he says, you've got your houses. You've got your cars. You've got your license back. You've got your kids. You've gotten raises and all of these things. But look at my house. Look at the place where I was going to dwell and be with you. I was going to visit you. Look at it. It's in ruins. Look at it. Look at the, and when, I'm, look, when I speak house, look at your inside. Look at how you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for God to come through, and he did, and look where it's carried us now. God's forgotten. We've let up off the gas. We've let up off our prayer. 
We've let up off our fasting. We've let up off our praise and our worship because everything's good. We're comfortable. Everything's great. It's wonderful. Bless the man and the woman who can persevere and realize and know that all of these things are just things. But if I get a hold of him and if I can sustain that grip and if I can hold on through everything, he will be praised. This is more than just being blessed. One of the things that I teach, I preach, I do everything that I can with the ladies at the Women of Hope is tell them balance, balance, balance. It's not too much of this. It's not too much of that. You've got to have balance. And one of the reasons I speak that is because you know something? I'm stuck in this earth suit. And as long as I'm in this earth suit, I am going to struggle. I'm going to have my struggles. Things are going to happen. I'm going to struggle with physical problems. I'm going to struggle with with physical um, cravings. I'm going to eat too much or not enough. I'm going to watch too much that I shouldn't watch or not enough. I'm going to love too much or not enough. It's just all over the charts. It's everywhere. I'm going to get angry and mad and and hurt people. Or I'm going to just let them beat me up and let them walk away and I'm just going to lay there in it. Somewhere, somewhere in life there is a balance. God knows that we're human and that we're stuck in this earth suit. But he also knows that if we will allow him to do it, he will literally come and dwell in us. That earth suit. And he says, he that is within you. He that is within you that has chosen to come and dwell in that very house that you struggle with. Is greater than he that is within the world. Paul said in his writings. Hallelujah. I Let me stop for a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Ah, no. Let me back up a minute. Let me take you to Zechariah. In order for this balance to take place and come to us, something's got to happen. Something has to happen. And it has to be change. You and I have to change. There's one thing that I'm really sure of. I am really sure that God doesn't change. All the years that I've been serving him, which is almost 50 now, I guess. Maybe even longer than that if you... You know, I remember when I was nine years old, and, oh, my grandmother loved me. I know you've heard about my grandmother. I can't help it. She's just intertwined in my life in so many ways. I just can't help it. When I think about my brothers and sisters, and every one of them stuck in what they're stuck in, and, and all the struggles, and all the lack of hope, and, 
everything that they're going through, and I'm talking about six other human beings, six brothers and sisters, and because of my grandmother's love and being intertwined in my, on my outside and on my inside, I remember at, um, we used to walk from her house, and it was a couple of blocks, whatever, down to the church, the Baptist church, and she would take me down. We was walking on the sidewalk. I was nine years old. Every Sunday that I got to spend with her, we were walking to church. And I remember one evening we were walking to church. And as we were going, she was talking to me, just, just filling me. I didn't know it was filling me up. Half the stuff I, I didn't even hear. But the part that I needed to hear as a nine-year-old little boy, I heard. And there were seeds being planted. And she rubbed me on the head just like, she, just like Bailey does. Bailey rubbed my hair and she said, oh, Pawpaw, your hair is so soft. And when she rubs, she doesn't know, but when she rubs it, I, I automatically think about my grandmother. And uh, Bailey will say, Papa, what do you use on your hair? Do you use conditioner? <laughs> I got no idea what conditioner is. The only kind of conditioner that I have is Jesus in me conditioning me for the next battle. That's about it. That's all that I know. But she rubbed me, my grandmother rubbed me on the head. We went to church. The preacher preached. I can vividly remember I was down in the floor doing something, messing around with something and all over the place, and all of a sudden something hit me like brick. And we stood up for an invitation, and at nine years old, I grabbed hold of that pew and I started quivering and shaking a little bit, and my grandmother looked over at me and she in one hand, she held my hand. The other, she's rubbing my head, and she said, Little David, do you want to go down and find Jesus? Tears rolling down my face. I said, Yes. And I go down. I don't even know what it's about. I'm leaving Superman and Batman in the floor. That's all that I know couple of cars I was just playing minding my own business and now something got a hold of me and dragging me to the altar a lot has happened since then a lot happened in my early years my teenage years a lot of wandering and bouncing around and not knowing what was up or down or right or wrong or all of these things but now at well into my 60s I know what I know, and I know what I know. And I've grabbed hold of something that won't let go of me, and I'm not going to let go of it. God being God. We have to change. What did I do? Here's my glasses. We understandably resist change. We are angry that we have to change, right? I mean, let's get real with it. We feel shame that we need to change. 
Look at all that's happened to me. Look at all that's gone on. Look at all that's taken place. You talk about shame. I see shame on a weekly basis. Not that I want to. I don't ever want to see shame again. There is no shame in Jesus Christ. There's no shame at the cross. There's no shame in a child of God, one who's been covered by the blood, one whose sins have been washed away, one whose past has been covered. No shame. I talked with someone yesterday. She's coming. She's on her way to the Hope House. Christy, Pastor Rhonda will remember her well. She's, she may have even taught with her. She's, <laughs> she's off the chain. First of all, she was off the chain in her addiction. Oh, man, and the strength. The strength, the hold that alcoholism has on her. It just boggles my mind how a woman with two small children, and maybe Pastor Rhonda will, after she gets everything right and straightened out, maybe she'll be able to give you a testimony that hopefully will wake us up, blow our minds, and let us see. You know, it's, I guess it's still debatable. Is it a disease or is it not a disease or, or whatever or whatever? Folks, it just infects us physically in our mind, in our spirit, emotionally, you know, in every way. I, is it a disease or not? I don't know. I, I, I just don't care. I just care about two little children whose mother is mightily struggling. She wants recovery more so than anybody that I've ever worked with or know. I mean that. And in, I'm doing meetings, um... Not direct meetings. What do y'all call that when somebody... Chair meetings. Mental health. Counseling. She was doing all of those things. Everything that she could. Went to work, working with children. A job that she seemingly was excited about and loved. And lo and behold, this cloud of hopelessness comes drifting in her life. And that really is what it was. And she suddenly became hopeless that I can't do this. I, I, I'm just pretending. I'm just playing. I can't do this. And before you know it, she was turning up one bottle after the other, leaving her children in a dangerous situation, all of these things. And she's calling and crying out of jail, please come get me. Please help me. I don't want to die like this. I don't want to be like this. Please come and help me. I'll do anything. I'll stay as long as I need to. I'll move up there. Whatever. I am tired of this. I just want to raise my babies. And I want to be a wife. And we're talking about change. And we're talking about shame. She called me yesterday. Well, first of all, her husband called me, and he said, are you coming to get her? I get it. I really get it. And he was short, a little ugly, angry, and 
he wouldn't even let me talk to him. He said, you just talk to Christy. Now, he's a friend of mine. I know him, and he's, he's a cool guy. And Christy got on the phone. Well, the reason he handed her the phone was I said, I can't come get you till maybe Monday or Tuesday. I can't come. In. What? You see, he doesn't want her to see the kids, and she doesn't want to see the kids. The kids are, now the kids are little babies just running around. There's no sense in re-traumatizing them for somebody that's going to be away for months and months and months. Give them time to adjust, that sort of thing. That's the devastation of this disease. That's what some of these ladies are struggling and going through. That's what some of you are struggling and going through. Don't identify alcoholism or drugs or whatever. What are you going through? Some of the testimonies that some of these young ladies, these that worship on the platform, got caught up in things that they had, but it just grabbed them. Now you take that and then you take clouds of hopelessness drifting over and around a person and what do you expect's going to happen? Ladies at the Hope House Church, everybody here, let me say to you that there is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. Every program, every anything ought to be centered. The very core, the very everything should be God, our Heavenly Father, his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit working everywhere. Because without that, all we've got is men and women struggling to try to stay clean and sober. Without hope, they're full of anger, disappointments, shame. We feel shame that we need to change. We're afraid that we will not be able to change. Anybody been there? We know that there will be moments when we'll find ourselves saying, I can't do it. It's too tough. Your capacity to change is the key to hope. If your mindset is, I've got to change, and the days that drift in and say that you can't and your mindset still is, I've got to change. I know I can't, but I've got to change. I know I can't do this, but I've got to change. I know this is too tough, but I've got to change. Your capacity for change tells you, tells me, tells all of us that there is a chance for hope. In the book of 2 Corinthians, just for a moment, and that's, I'm not going to keep you very much longer. Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. Anybody ever experienced a thorn in the flesh? I'm not talking about literally. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever struggled with it? You know, it, it's great to have, Connie, you've got to tell me their last name. Hawkins, sister and brother Hawkins with us this morning. Sister Hawkins comes to the Hope House. I'm so appreciative of that. I hope you're bringing Jesus. Are you bringing Jesus? Praise God. Amen. That's all I got to. You know, I just, uh, we've got some goats and some cows that just won't cooperate at the house. I mean, Especially the goats. They get out of the pastures. They want to get into the 
get into everything. And Logan's got rocks. And I went and got a BB gun. One of them pump BB. I, I'm too old to chase goats around the yard. And I'm left-handed, and I've got a tear in my rotor, and I can't throw that hard or that far. i got to do something. And Connie's up there. I'll, I'll shoot one of them, and they'll just turn and look at me. And Connie said, do something. And I hold the gun. This is all I got. This is it. Well, when the goats of, of life come into me, come into my life, and you know what I'm talking, the troubles, the irritating situations, the problems, I can hold it up and say, Jesus, this is all I got. All I got for you is Jesus. And just in his presence, they creep back. They don't turn and just look. And I don't know that a goat can give you one of those uh, smart addict smiles. Like, <laughs> but mine does. I shoot them, and they just turn and give me that that smile. Like, one hoof comes up and just stop it. I got to get it on video. It's you know the world's Funniest whatever's whatever, I'd probably be taken in by the humane, no, whatever that society is for cruelty to animals. You've got to change. Have a capacity for change. A desire and a will and a commitment to change. You know, I look at brother and sister Vernon, Susan and Chris. And Pastor Rhonda was praying over her. You know, this church has taken it on the chin several times over all of these years. Amen? And some of you, in spite of everything that's happened, you've just simply stayed. You show a capacity for hope. Pointing them out, I see Susan at every event, whether it's um, what we do for the women at the Hope House. Esther Project, every time I come to the Esther Project, Susan's there. Every time Queen for a Day, Susan's there. Every time I come to worship here at the church, Chris is there. You know something? I don't want to look in either one of their closets. They got troubles. They got struggles. They got things going on. They have hopeless moments. When is it ever going to be any different? Is it ever going to change? Yet they show the capacity and the will to commit to something, and hope's coming. Hope's always there. Give them a hand. Praise God. They deserve it. This, this queen for a day, it's... It's, it's just, it's great, it's absolutely marvelous that men and women, not men, sorry, sorry, that women will be ministered to. It's a funny thing in life how that all I'm around all of my life is just women. I come to a church 
And that church concentrates on women. And it's women, women, women. Sometimes when you see me, if I just grab you and fall on you and hug you guys, nothing sexual going on. I'm just glad to hold a man. I'm just glad that I'm not the only one left in the earth and there's a man, another man still out there roaming around somewhere. Sometimes I sit at the Hope House and think, this is it, I'm the only man left. And I live in a tribe of Amazon women that's about to eat me up. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. But he that is within me is greater and stronger than he. Paul said, I've got this thorn. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed three times. And the Lord said, my grace. There's sometimes I tell all the Hope House ladies, but focus in on some. that I tell them, you're always going to have this in your life. As long as you are dwelling in a physical body, you're always going to have this struggle in your life. It's your thorn. It's what it is. But God's grace is sufficient. God's power is sufficient. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know that after everything is said and done, after every tormenting trial, after everything has happened, that victory, victory, <laughs> victory, is ours you have the mindset there was a group of church people standing on a, the shores the sand they were singing a song but what they were really saying is we got the mindset that God's still in charge and when you have that mindset no matter what's coming I know they were praying turn the storm do this do th the storm's gonna come it's coming but if you have the mindset that in spite of the hellacious winds, in spite of the destruction that's about to happen, I'm going to stand and praise God, then hope abounds. Hope is there. You start building up the resolve that after the destruction, after this happens, I'm going to have the strength to rebuild. I'm going to do this all over again. Hope. And I said to you, hope is more than just a wish. Hope sometimes takes a minute. And I'm just going to spend a moment in Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. It talks about Abraham. Well, somebody tell me Abraham's wife's name. <laughs> I would have remembered that. I would have. I'll just leave it at that, okay? I knew who Sarah was, is. Hope is always challenged. God met with Abraham, and he said, Oh, Abraham, my friend, Abraham, who knows how to raise his family, be a father, be a husband. Oh, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and the sands the little sands can't, is, is not enough to number what's about to happen through you. 
And Abraham and Sarah wait. And they wait. And they wait. And Abraham gets to be 100. Sarah's in her 90s. Am I correct? I believe. A conversation takes place. Sarah eavesdrops in on it. She's laughing about it. Oh, my. Abraham, you seen me lately? Everything's shifting, changing. Abraham, you, th you kidding me, Abraham? We've been waiting and praying and praying and waiting, and we had hope, and it's one storm right after the other, one year right after the other, one wrinkle right after the other. We've busted all the mirrors in our house because I can't stand to look at myself anymore. You think it's going to happen? It happened. I'm going to close with saying to you that hope is something that you can hold on to even in the storm. If you have a capacity, a commitment to stand on the shores as the hurricane is about to hit and still praise God, that's a group of people with hope. If you have the capacity to stand in this pulpit knowing that the, the task that you're about to undertake is physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausting you you don't know whether you can do it or not and you constantly pray oh God please let this turn out I'm talking about Pastor Rhonda Nobody knows what she goes through. Nobody knows what she's been up against. I know her. She wants everything to be perfect. She wants these ladies to walk in and absolutely be overwhelmed at the love that other people have for them. In hopes, in hope, that it will lift them up and they'll grab hold of that hope. I can come out of this. Somebody does care. Susan, it is exhausting as it is. <laughs> you see these ladies that are about to be ministered to in about six days. They have little kids that are scattered everywhere. Some in healthier situations than others. But all of them are crying out, where is mama? Is mama coming? Will I see mama today? Where's mama? And mama's caught up in a hopeless situation. And whether it looks, whether every candle's lit, whether everything is gorgeous or not, because you, you and so many all of you who've had a hand in this has shown the capacity to set aside your own self and do something, whether it turns out 
exactly like you wanted to or not, it will turn out the way God wants it to because you've shown the capacity to stand on the shores in the face of a hurricane and sing and praise Him. Now, folks, these are just people. Most of them are anyway. And this isn't to honor Pastor Ron today or message. But as long as I've known her, and I've seen people attack her and say ugly things. Well, I haven't seen it, but whatever, heard it, whatever. I have never heard her say, I mean this from my heart. And she's had multiple opportunities to just throw up and tell me how she really feels. Never has she said anything ugly that I've ever heard come out of her mouth about all of those people. And I, I wonder sometimes what in the world is wrong with her. I do. Whatever disease she has, I want it. Is it contagious? Can I catch it? I said to you a minute ago, tell me how you really feel. She does by keeping her mouth shut. She knows that the key is this battle's not mine. It's God's. I don't have to engage in this. It's God's. That's hope. You see it all around you. Ladies, this isn't the end. It's just the beginning. This same Jesus that you saw hanging on the cross, this same Jesus that you saw carried to the tomb, this same Jesus that you saw rise from the dead and ascend into heaven, he, not only is he coming back, that same Jesus is in here. I know I said I was going to close, but just one more quick thing. I sat with a lady a few days ago on a dock down on the lake. I wasn't soaking up the sun. I'd gone down there to help a friend, help a family, and I was working. And she came down, and I had been working with her, tirelessly working with her, pointing out to her character defects that she's got to surrender to God, all of these things. And she came and sat down, and she made some drastic decisions and left and moved and all of this. And I was sitting across from her. When I say to you, Jesus on the inside living in me, she said to me, I've prayed. I've prayed, God, speak to me. God, show up. And she said, this is what I feel like I need to do. And I said, you're making a horrible mistake. You should back away from this. 
have the capacity for commitment and to hold on to what it is you're leaving and see it through. And she said, well, I've prayed. God speak to me. And I looked at her in the eye and I said, as far as I am concerned with what I feel right now, God is sitting in this chair right across from you saying to you, you're headed for disaster. You can take that for what, and I, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I was dirty, sweaty, but in that moment sitting in that chair, the Jesus that was in me rose up and he said, you tell her these things. That's how people like Pastor Rhonda, how people like Susan, Chris, the others. I wish I knew all of your names. Sorry, all of you, everybody. That's how you do it. You have the capacity for commitment that holds on the hope no matter what. Bless you, Pastor.